You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. This is Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. I have with me in studio today David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Dr. Blank. How are you? I am very well, thank you, and thanks for asking. In fact, today our whole show will be about gratitude and the um, concept of gratitude as a way, a very important principle in recovery and certainly an important principle for anyone, especially this time of year when we think about Thanksgiving and we think about the things that we are grateful for. I wanted to really expand this topic and let people know, our listeners, who may not be in recovery or who may not have worked a program of recovery, let them know how important this particular principle concept is in supporting someone getting into recovery and staying into recovery. Mm -hmm. So that principle is gratitude. Practicing an attitude of gratitude. It's it's often when you talk to somebody who's been in recovery for a while, what they will say as to the reason they stayed. Uh-huh. They went to this first meeting and they were feeling miserable and horrible and there were people laughing in there and people were expressing gratitude and people were happy about life and expressing feelings that they just didn't think they would ever experience again. And they just thought, well, I'm going to keep coming back here and see what this is all about. And and a lot of people think that uh, when you go to these meetings that you're going to hear all about their drunken logs and all that type of thing. And that is totally not true. Right. I mean, what what you generally hear discussed is how happy they are to have gotten to the place of being sober and being able, able to help somebody else get sober. In fact, it's interesting. A lot of times you'll hear people talk about, oh, those meetings, everybody's so miserable. You just hear them talking about problems. And you know either they haven't actually gone to a meeting (laughs) or they haven't really been listening yet because that is not what you hear at most meetings. That is not what you hear. That is not what you hear. And, yes, if someone is giving their story, telling their life story, or if you're at a speaker meeting when someone has a specific topic that they're talking about and they might include their story, yes, you may hear those pieces of um, their sadness, their misery, where the disease of addiction took them. But, but... That is not the important part of the story. The important part of the story is, and this is what I did to make changes in my life, and this is where I am now, and this is what I'm grateful for. In fact, sometimes patients will come back and say, I went to a meeting, and someone introduced themselves as a grateful recovering addict or alcoholic, and the the individual is just completely overwhelmed. Why would anybody in the world say, I'm grateful? I'm grateful for being 
in recovery, I'm grateful for um, this disease because that's not how most people think and feel in the beginning of their recovery. In fact, it's not how most people feel for quite some time. But it is how people feel if they've hit rock bottom and come back from that. Yes. They tend to find their gratitude really pretty easily and simply and in a meeting, you know. In fact, a lot of times on on our family night, we'll have family members in one room and they'll hear this laughter coming from the room next door where the recovering uh, patients are and they'll comment about why are they laughing, what's going on, that they're... We have those feelings because family members aren't having those no, feelings at that point in time. They're not laughing usually. And part of it is that, you know, the addicts aren't really remembering the horrible things as clearly as the family members. But the other part is that they get to a place of gratitude really pretty quickly with the support of um, others in recovery. And in telling their story or sharing their struggle, they often see the absurdity of the decisions that they've made, the choices, the consequences even that they have suffered. Um, they see just how horrible they were and how different their life is now. It's it's a very interesting that, that's often told in a humorous way, and people do laugh. You can't imagine laughing at the time, but if you're there and you experience it, you do see that um, people not only recognize themselves and the person sharing their story and their gratitude for their recovery, but um, they're able to see the the humor, the craziness of that person's life when they're active in their disease of addiction and appreciate how different that person is today in that meeting. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting process, but you will often, in the course of one meeting, see tears, see anger, see frustration, see happiness, see joy, see gratitude, and often laughter is interspersed all the way through the meeting, regardless of which one of those feelings is actually being discussed and described. Right. And and that's why I say, you know, they're talking about the positive. They're talking about coming to a solution, mm-hmm. coming to um, to where they get to the point of gratitude. Right. So we know that gratitude is, is one of the gifts of recovery and also one of the tools that sponsors will recommend to newcomers to help them stay in recovery. Um, but in, in doing the readings and the research looking at what we were going to talk about today and some of the things that you had forwarded to us, um, they really highlighted initially the benefits of, of gratitude. And I, th- I thought that that was really pretty cool to stop and look at. There really are a lot of benefits of it. We, we get that way in particular in mm-hmm. our shows right before Thanksgiving. Um, <clears throat> but the b- benefits in terms of better health, better relationships. It actually was talking about better financial outlook, mm-hmm. um, more willingness to or more desire actually to take care of your physical health, to actually work out mm-hmm. instead of. You know, be miserable thinking about I need to work out tomorrow. Right. Actually having this feeling of gratitude and wanting to work out. 
Yes, there's a couple of really interesting studies, one um, by Dr. Emmons of um, the University of California and Dr. Michael McCullough of the University of Miami. They did a really interesting study where they took a group of um, volunteers and they asked each one of their participants to write down a few sentences each week focusing on a particular topic. So they randomly divided this group into two groups. One group wrote about um, things that they were grateful for that that had occurred during that week. The second group were to write down the daily irritations, the things that displeased them, that upset them, that um, made them feel angry or frustrated. And then actually there was a third group just writing about their daily events without putting any positive or negative spin to it. Just a regular journal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a log. About... um, about their week. So after 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were much more optimistic and felt better about their lives. And this is where the part about they were actually more motivated to exercise and felt more positive about self-care and and taking care of themselves and doing things to improve their health. And this wasn't part of the goal. They weren't told, write positive things and then go exercise or write positive things and eat well. Uh, They were just told to write a few sentences each week about uh, the positive things, the things they were grateful for for the week. And it clearly showed in the person's attitude and actually in their physical health, which is, I think, a very interesting thing that it's not just for people in recovery that this is important. It's important for all of us. Well, if you look for the gratitude, the gra- the things to be grateful for start to grow. Right. And as you, as you look at the things that are growing, I mean, it just perpetuates better, more mm-hmm. of, you know, abundance of, of good rather than of, of negative. And that's a very um, important thing. It's, it's uh, in a discussion I had with a patient the other day, they were talking about they were trying to be sugar-free. They were trying to eliminate sugar because as they were getting into early recovery, they were noticing that instead of craving their dopamine releaser of choice or their former dopamine releaser of choice, now they were craving sweet things, craving sugar, and they really felt like it was getting out of control. And they said that they were able to do that for a few days, and it was hard, but then they got to a place where they weren't thinking about it, weren't craving it. And then Halloween came, and there was all the candies and the cookies and the uh, treats available for everybody. And the minute they took that one bite of candy, then suddenly all the cravings, that they, the desire um, was back full force, and that's what they wanted. This is sort of the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being a, the negative thing that this person was struggling with in terms of craving for sugar, and once you taste it, then you want it and you want more of it, when you begin to look at the world through more positive rose-colored glasses, if you will, then the more you see the positive, 
and the more you look for the positive and the more you're grateful for the positive things in your life. So that's really one of the things to um, encourage everybody to think about doing. So it does change your health, which I think is an important piece of all this. There's research that shows it also changes the neurochemicals in your brain. Mm-hmm. That when people are focusing on positive things, when they are experiencing gratitude and thanking people, that there is a release of dopamine. So our pleasure chemical is in there. But there's also a release of serotonin, which is the one that helps regulate our mood and our sleep, our concentration. And serotonin is um, really important to prevent something we call anhedonia. So anhedonia is the loss of pleasure in things that normally are important to you and make you feel good. I think that most people, when they get to the point of recovery and and early recovery, they're experiencing exactly what you're talking about. Right. They have this. They have no ability to really enjoy. Right. They can fake it, but. It's just not there. Right. They don't have the capacity. And part of the reason is in their use of drugs and alcohol and some behaviors, they've depleted a lot of these neurotransmitters, including serotonin. If your serotonin levels are low, then you're not going to sleep well. You're going to be more depressed. You're going to not really appreciate or enjoy or get excitement out of things that you normally do. Sex drive is going to be down. Your concentration and memory are going to be impacted along with your mood. So I wish I could give them serotonin. That would make our life a lot easier. But I can't. It's too big a molecule. So this is one of the ways in which we can get their brain to make it on its own. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the benefits of gratitude. Thanks for listening. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. 
Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. This is America's Web Radio, and I'm Dr. Susan Blank in studio with Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Very grateful for the two of you and for the support that you um, give the show and all of the help that you provide. So thank you for being here. Thank you for David Moxley and his staff here at America's Web Radio for producing our show and giving us airtime, allowing us to, to share our message with our listeners and other interested people who stumble across our, our, uh, our show each week. We're grateful for all of our listeners. And we're today talking about the importance of gratitude. Right before the break, we were talking about how people who are going through these um, experiences of expressing gratitude, how there's actual changes in the brain. So one of the, we, we mentioned the dopamine is released, which is our pleasure chemical. We mentioned serotonin, which is our mood regulation chemical. Um, the, the last um, neurotransmitter that is released or chemical that's released is GABA. And this is a very important one. This is the calm you down, help you relax, and help you go to sleep. So when you are in a mood of gratitude and spending time with gratitude, one of the things that happens is these neurotransmitters are released in the brain and um, help that person to feel better in many ways. Again, very important in recovery, uh, very important in early recovery. So there are these physiological changes that occur in the brain that are hard for us to make happen by, let me give you a pill for that, Uh, let me do something to you, this is something you can do to help yourself, is um, by thinking about, and we're going to talk about some some techniques um, a little bit later in the show, but there are these changes in the brain, there are also other physical changes. So, um, actually... What's been interesting to me listening to actually talking about this is is all of these different chemicals that we can't necessarily give you because we can't just – the molecules are too big. We can't just put them into your brain. They can give you antidepressant medications and gives you the building blocks for your brain to slowly build it or to keep your brain from eating it up too quickly. Um but the thing I kept thinking about as you were talking about that is that there are, are reasons in people's lives that they might not be getting it. And one of the ones that recently has been an issue is is vision. Um, <laughs> some of you know that some people in our lives have been dealing with vision. And part of what I was reading and, and looking at that was that 
our brain actually gets a lot of serotonin release from our visual cues and a lot of dopamine release from our visual cues that people who are having vision issues, and in particular I was reading about blindness and how they have an issue with major depression because they aren't getting that stimulus Mm -hmm. um, of the dopamine release and the serotonin release um, that makes you want to go pick that really pretty apple or to go enjoy that picture or something. But for those people who are practicing an attitude of gratitude and really looking at the things they can be grateful for and actually pulling into their grateful memories, mm-hmm. painting their memories with gratitude, they're able to still get those releases even though they're not getting it through the through their eyes. Their usual. Their usual source. And that's interesting because right above your eyes <laughs> and your forehead are your mirror neurons. And these are the neurons that are really active when you're having an emotional and empathetic response to someone. These are the neurons that light up with babies. When a baby smiles at you and you smile back at the baby, that reinforces for both of you smiling and interacting. These are the uh, really early emotional neurons, and a lot of it is coming because of the visual, the eye contact. And it's always interesting to me Um, As I sit in restaurants or notice kids in the grocery store or at Costco, like we spent the weekend um, trying to wade through all of that, the number of kids that get really excited when you make eye contact with them. Mm-hmm. If they're riding in the buggy or they're walking along. Or you're sitting at a booth in a Correct. restaurant and some kid pokes their head up over from the book booth behind you and suddenly there's this little face in your face. Right. And they, when you actually make eye contact, and it's a conscious thing, not just a, a, a glance and a look away, but you really look at them and you really smile at them, there is a change for both of you. And I think about... Now that we're spending so much more of our time looking down, looking at screens, and missing this eye contact and this um, engagement of our motor, or excuse me, our mirror neurons and our empathy and our ability to connect uh, and feel that um, that strong emotional response, even with someone that you don't know, we're missing that now. Absolutely. Um, I talk about this all the time. In the evening, I walk my dogs. Uh huh. And we're in Midtown. And it used to be that you would see people that you knew. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't know them, but you knew their dog. You know the dog's and name. And you, <laughs> you, you were friendly with them. And you would see each other and you would say hello and blah, blah, blah. Now, when you go on your evening walk, you see people, but they don't see you because they're so busy looking at their device mm-hmm. that it's just amazing. I, I watch these people, and they just are on automatic pilot. The dog is leading them. Is leading them. <laughs> the dog knows the route, and the dog is doing what what it wants to do. But I just think, God, they're missing all this, you know, pleasure yeah right and this ability to connect and have that activity through the eyes through the mirror neurons and then the subsequent release of the really important neurotransmitters that change how we feel and just taking that moment and 
and reflecting on it can bring, I mean, I look at you two and you're both smiling as we're having this conversation. Not that we don't usually smile at each other, but um, but it, it, it changes your mood. It changes your face. It changes your eyes. And it's such a powerful thing that's free and easy to do. And you can do it all day long. And so many people are missing that. And we're seeing this increase in depression among um, people who are spending a ton of time with screens. So That's a great name for those neurons. The mirror neuron. Mirror. Mm-hmm. Mirror. Mirror. I can't say the yeah, word, but it's like a great. Like looking in a mirror. I picture, um, um, I have a dog named Lucky. Uh-huh. That is just the sweetest dog ever. And he won't look at you very long before he looks away, but a lot of times he'll look at you and then he'll give you one quick kiss on the nose before he looks away. Uh-huh. And it's just that moment of, hello. <laughs> um, speaking of pets, one of the things that I was reading is, how do you know if your cat has affection for you? And one of the ways that you do that is by slowly closing your eyes and slowly opening them and having a very slow not a direct gaze because that's too challenging but the slowly closing and and they'll do it back to you um, just like rubbing their forehead they want to rub their forehead against your forehead and if you look at lions in the wild that's how they greet their family that's how they greet their mate or their children um, their offspring is um, through rubbing their heads and slow, uh, a slow blink. So eyes are really important. And mm-hmm. um, so that slow thing isn't sizing you up like they're about to <laughs> well, attack. <maybe>. attack. <laughs> That's the the squint that makes you think <laughs> they're asleep right before they're going to jump on you uh, and eat your face when you're dead. Um, no, this is. Um, but it's an active process, and the eyes are one of the ways that you can engage this and have this sensation and this feeling of of gratitude and connection, which so many people are missing, and which is so hard sometimes this time of year. A lot of lonely people. So definitely, when we're talking about the ways to cultivate gratitude, spending time with pets is one of them. Spending time with pets. Absolutely. Making eye contact with people, uh, really seeing them. And if it's too weird to do that with adults, uh, making eye contact with children because they're much more willing to do that. Often walking down the streets or in a, uh, a store or somewhere, people don't. But it's, it's really interesting to watch. Like when, when a child does pop over the booth behind you or in front of you or whatever, or when a little child is walking along and you catch their eye and they catch your eye and then uh-huh. and then they're turned back towards you as the mom or dad is pulling <laughs> them along. Right. But that moment when the parents kind of go, oh, you know, and pull it and stop, put a stop to it. Right. Because it's like danger. Right. And... Yeah, you don't want to be creepy, obviously. Um, But that idea that these little ones are often really starved for somebody actually looking at them and seeing them. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the power of gratitude. So please stay tuned. 
This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Listening to America's Web Radio on the America's Broadcast Network.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly are with me, and we're talking about gratitude as a very important principle in recovery and an important principle in everyday life for everyone. So we've been talking about some of the psychological and the neurotransmitter benefits um, from practicing gratitude. Uh, We also know that there are a number of things that can improve about your physical health related to the the expression of gratitude and the practice of gratitude. In the physical, you have a stronger immune system. Um, You reduce sensing aches and pains. Mm -hmm. Um, It says that you'll have lower blood pressure. Um, increased interest in exercise, which hasn't struck me yet. 
Um, <laughs> oh, there's still hope. <laughs> better, better, more restful sleep. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, you've got the sleep down. <laughs> got, got the sleep, sleep down. Got the sleep down. And your down. blood pressure is good. Yeah, my blood pressure. I'm assuming. So the nice thing about that is the um, when the immune system is better regulated, you're going to be less ill, but you're also going to have decreased inflammation, mm-hmm. and that's where you have that effect on decreasing the aches and pains, um, the not necessarily from uh, injuries or illnesses or, or problem areas, but just that general creakiness. Just and, general use. Right. <laughs> the general use uh, inflammation that can be painful for a lot of people. When you in- reduce your inflammation, you're reducing your stress. And in doing that, down comes your blood pressure, down comes your heart rate, uh, down comes that inflammation. Your immune system can spend its time doing what it's supposed to do, fighting all the cooties that are floating around and uh, helping you to just be in better physical health overall. Mm-hmm. So really important stuff that happens. There were several um, books in the mid-80s and early 90s um, specifically about positive psychology and helping people during the early HIV crisis as well as other people dealing with terminal illness and um, the real emphasis on making a habit of daily gratitude and in in particular um, being grateful for your surroundings and doing this real mindfulness of gratitude was shown to help people that are dealing with major chronic illness sustain their lives and their quality of their lives for much, much longer. Well, and and psychologically, um, it increases the level of positive emotion. So it increases mm-hmm. being more alert, alive, awake. It increases the sense of joy and pleasure and um, the feeling of optimism. So it it's saying just, again, what we were saying earlier, that it just sort of perpetuates and builds right and it like snowballs and the nice thing it makes you more interactive with others more comfortable in your interactions with others and as we know sadly addiction is a disease that uh foster uh, festers <laughs> uh and grows in Isolation, mm-hmm. and many of our patients are very isolated and avoidant, and try, uh, they try to not engage with other people because of feelings of guilt and shame, or trying to hide their their disease or their use. And that's exactly. I mean, most people when they first get sober, they want to hole up and lick their wounds, mm-hmm. rather than go to a meeting and go out to coffee and meet people. Right. And, a lot of the meeting folks will say, no, no, you're coming with us, you know, because they do not want you going back to your home or apartment or whatever and just um, looking at all the bad stuff. Well, and it's so easy when people first get sober to have all of their body aches and pains suddenly be very, very real, as well as all of the other medical issues they haven't taken care of become very, very real. So you can sit there and just feel all of those aches and pains and they get magnified. Or you can you can get out and have some social contact and some interaction and, and laugh a little bit and the same thing gets decreased. Absolutely. I think the um 
the process of helping people understand the power of gratitude and then actually taking the step to experience experience experiencing it sorry my tongue is tied today experiencing um, that gratitude and that practice of gratitude you really do begin to see some changes in people. It's not going to take away all of their pain. It's not going to magically transform them into uh, a, a happy, totally joyous and free person just yet. But it will over time, and that's the beauty of it. And when you're in the... Um, you know, amongst people that are experiencing a lot of gratitude. And you're watching like a newcomer or a person kind of um, grow. When there is a drawback, it's so easy to spot. You know, in, in the person. You can just see it in the person. When they stop being as grateful, they stop, you know, being outgoing, they stop... Doing away some of the things that are happening, and you can step in and, and say, "Hey, come on, let's let's get back to what you were doing that was making you better." At one of the treatment centers um, that I've worked at in the past, a residential center, we used to um, have a practice of the tenth step at ten p.m. So uh-huh. that's uh, going through your day, doing an inventory of. The things that have gone well, the things that haven't, and expressing gratitude for something for the day as preparation preparation for going to sleep. Yep. Uh, very, very helpful. And when we think about, okay, GABA is being released and serotonin, and which can be made into melatonin now so you can sleep. Uh, one patient had a litany of everything that had gone wrong all day every day from the toast was burnt at breakfast to somebody sat in their chair to (laughs) large and small terrible phone call with family on and on and on and when I said is there not something that you're grateful for today she said nope not one thing can I think of that you're grateful for. And I said, well, then can you just at least say, I'm grateful this day is over. (laughs) And, of course, the person laughed. But sometimes that's about as much as people can muster (laughs) because life is hard and often there are real impactful and sad things. But even if your gratitude is only that the day is over and you don't have to live this day again – that is still positive. A positive. That is still a, a gratitude, and, and and sometimes that's what gets you through one day at a time. Correct. You know, um, and that's why we say don't look, don't look beyond right now, and be grateful for where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Don't look back. Don't look forward. You're here, and it's easier to <coughs> stay grateful there in the present. Yes. Being Stuck right there in the perfect present. In the perfect present, which is a present, Mm -hmm. a gift, being in the present. So there are some ways in which we can encourage people to begin a practice of gratitude. And I like the idea of a tenth step at ten. That's probably not for everyone and certainly not for our listeners who may not be familiar with the twelve steps. Um, But the idea that we are going to have... um, 
a moment in our day, whether it's the beginning of the day, the end of the day, the middle of the day, whenever you feel like you need it part of the day, of um, being grateful for something or Mm -hmm. thinking about things that are impactful and that you're grateful for, even if they're very small and compared to some of the darkness and some of the pain and hurt in your day, is there something that you can be grateful for? And focus on that to help stop that black hole of pain and sadness and complaints and whining and the ugliness. We can all go there. It's Mm -hmm. very easy to do the negative. It's much harder. Um, I once had a professor say, to believe something, if it's negative, you have to tell it five times. If if it's something positive for you to actually believe it, you have to tell it seven to ten times. So for, we, we believe negative things about ourselves, about other people, about the world, about our day, our life, much easier than we believe the positive. And so we have to say it. We have to be much more conscious of nurturing the positive and the thing that we're grateful for. One of the suggestions in, in the various readings that we looked at that I thought was real, real important <clears throat> was to be realistic. Yes. And basically it was saying whenever you start a, a new habit, mm-hmm. you you go at it strong. And every the first couple of days, it's like I'm doing great and I'm really feeling wonderful about this. But then you get distracted because life is distracting and, and you miss a day. And the reason habits don't tend to or life changes don't tend to last is because you go back to doing what you always did. Mm-hmm. And so in this suggestion, it says be realistic. If you decide, okay, I'm going to start practicing an attitude of gratitude, whatever goal for yourself you set, make it something that you can achieve achieve, and something that you can simply do on a daily basis. Um, and if you miss a day, start back. Um, there, I don't know if this book is even still out there. I think it is. But there was a book called um, A New Pair of Glasses by Clancy. Um, he was a he was a pretty well known AA person, um, but he talked a lot about this, just readjusting your vision of what today is like. Look at the positive. Look at the the thing that's going to make you feel better, and you will feel better. Um, and it was interesting because all this, all this that we're talking about, is something that Clancy used to talk about all the he, time. Because he would talk about he really coming to terms with a complaining wife and a son that was a disappointment and wasn't being the son that he always planned on him being. And when he put on a new perspective and mm-hmm. started realizing his son had a lot of gifts and his wife was amazing and and took and looked suddenly they transformed exactly. The big, the big miracle was that they weren't the people they always had been once he put on his new, his new perspective. And it's, um, again, not easy to do, but very, very important to try. When we come back, we're going to talk about some specific ways to increase your practice of gratitude. So please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? 
and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed. We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Good morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction if not You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is America's Web Radio. Today with me are Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. And we're talking about gratitude, this important principle of recovery. We have been talking about the ways in which an attitude of gratitude can help uh, a person physically, psychologically, emotionally, in their quality of their relationships, in their ability to connect and enjoy their life. So there's ways in which it's helpful, but how do you do it? So the first introduction that I had to this concept when I was um, at Talbot Recovery Campus and I was um, working with uh, some colleagues down there, there was one woman who opened a... um, a meeting one day with the prayer, Lord, let me want what I have. <laughs> and I thought, 
Now that's interesting. <laughs> um, that's a very interesting um, a concept. Not give me this and such, and let me have that, and here's my list for Santa. But help me want what I already have. <laughs> and I thought that was a very um, succinct, succinct, and an important huge. concept in terms of hard sometimes when life doesn't feel like it's going really well or you're lonely or you're sad or you're ill or you're having um, financial problems or physical problems or whatever problems are in your life you've missing someone someone's died you're sick and maybe dying it's hard sometimes to find that part and I, I thought that that was a very interesting way of looking at the attitude of gratitude is Lord help me want what I have and let me be grateful for what I have. So I think that's where we have to start. Yes. And sometimes it's very basic like I'm thankful I'm grateful that this day is over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to do this today. Uh, but starting small and being realistic sometimes is just is really helpful. But looking at what do you have and what can you be grateful for, whether it's the warm water in your shower, uh, whether it's, um, you know, uh, a, a comfortable pillow at night. It may be a very little thing that you can eke out of the chaos that might have been your day but finding that one thing is is really important because it does change what happens in your body and your brain so i like um i like on friday evenings uh -huh. On the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon always writes thank you notes. <laughs> and he <laughs> yes, does it with comedy. He has the perfect thank you note music in the background. Um, and he'll just, they'll be goofy. But they change the way your brain is thinking. I think just sending a quick thank you note is an amazing way to keep your brain into a, into a grateful place. And now with electronics you can just send a quick thank you text or a thank you a meme or a little, message or uh, a little mm -hmm. smiley face right. or a little emoji and th it, it works you know sending a little happy face emoji gives you just a little bit of okay life is okay i can just feel a little better right now um but part one of the suggestions was continue to change it up you know, if you're if you start out with okay, every day I'm going to make a list of three things I'm grateful for, and you're going along, and that starts to become boring, then flip over and do mm -hmm. something different. Make make a commitment to okay, I'm going to send thank you notes, or I'm going to write thank you notes and actually deliver them um, as a way of just changing it up and keeping it fresh. And and really being thoughtful about it. I have to say, David Pat Donaldson. Your mother. I was thinking of the same thing. Is one of the most amazing people in terms of the, the notes that she's uh, yeah, generous and kind and thoughtful, but the minutes that she takes to write a little thank you note or write a little thought, um, uh, a picture, or and she mails it. She handwrites it and she mails it. And you have to know that during those few minutes, you are on her mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And having been the recipient, particularly recently, of some very kind cards um, and notes from 
uh, your mom, um, it just uh, really reminds me of how meaningful it is to the person who gets it, but I'm sure that it helps your mother maintain her very optimistic and cheery disposition because she's amazing. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. shout out to Pat Mrs. Donaldson. Donaldson. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it is um, a really important um the writing thank you notes that a lot of famous people have mm-hmm. have, in particular, been thank you note writers. Really important. George Bush was a thank you note writer. Still is. Oh. And very well known for and just note writing, thank you notes, but uh-huh. also just uh, thinking of you. Oh um, yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. something came up and he was. I mean, both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. There's a, I mean, there's a good feeling that comes when you receive a thank you note, yes, like you were absolutely. talking about. It's even more today with all this electronic. Yeah, mm-hmm. when you get right. the, mm-hmm. my God, I got a, a handwritten fifty cents sending this to me. Right, right. exactly. Maybe well, bought me not a card. even the fifty cents. It's the time it takes to to find a mailbox or to find the address. Go get the stamps, <laughs> or you know, yeah, find the find the person. I mean, address. things that we used to. It used to just be boom. Now it's like, now it's well, very it's not as easy to do it. Right. One of my, I was attending a Sunday school class a number of years ago, and um, they said, think back about a lesson that you learned and who taught it to you and write them a thank you note. And um, I, I remember thinking about a high school typing teacher <laughs> who taught not only me and my siblings, my siblings and me, sorry, Russell, my siblings and me, um, that she taught both of my parents typing. <laughs> and she was a perfectionist, an absolute perfectionist. We typed on yellow paper, so you couldn't use whiteout, you couldn't erase. Mm-hmm. All of the typewriters had all Covers. of the, the keys had no letters or numbers or symbols on them. They were completely blank, and they were the old manual typewriters. <laughs> and <laughs> Yes. Remington. And, and you couldn't hand in a um, anything that was not perfect. So none of your assignments could be handed in that was not perfect on that yellow paper. And I just would shake and be so frustrated and mad and mad and mad. Um, And now we watch you... I can type. I can type. I can type so well, but it saved some people's lives. Believe it or not, in my little hometown, we had um, a National Guard unit that got called up to Vietnam, and all of those guys in my high school had to take typing from Mrs. McIntyre. And she taught them to really type and to type accurately and quickly, to type dictation or to copy things. And most of them came back unscathed because they were given jobs uh, within their branch of the military to, you know, to be more, more administrative. They were called company clerks, and they were into typing 201 files. That's the personnel file on everybody in the military. And uh, I was a company clerk in my uh, civil affairs unit. 
So you're because I because I could type Miss Miss Davison, who was uh-huh. gorgeous, but Miss <laughs> Davison was my typing teacher. And then, uh, like you said, the old gray Remington, mm-hmm. and uh, I I can still type, and I that's one of the biggest if. In all of the school that I've been in, the one course that has mm-hmm. been the best for me was right. typing. Exactly. Well, and what's so cool about this experience is that it highlights that gratitude is contagious. Yes. And it changes memories because you suddenly put gratitude onto memories of a time that was incredibly painful for right. the whole nation. But now it's about typing and perfectionism, which was a, a bad word, but yes. also a life-saving word. And a life-saving word, but uh, the discipline that I learned from her, and that it's good enough is not good enough. Mm-hmm. You need to do your best. You know, Bart, um, Coach Lombardi had a thing <laughs> called, and I got in, I thought I was going to be stoned, but uh, when I coached, but it was... Winning's not everything. It's the only thing. Right. And the point of the story, you know what I'm – if you're going to play the game, give it 120%. Do it the best of your ability. You may not be as good as the next guy, right. but if you've tried 120%, that's all anybody can ask. And this was back as they were converting into – which I hate – converting into everybody gets a trophy everybody plays and you know you don't have kids that are better than others well the hell you don't because he actually used the phrase winners versus losers he has a a long quote out winners do this losers do that and and now to use the word losers would be a derogatory thing but everything he says in terms of lose, of winners is is attitudes that help people to be successful. Right, no matter it's what. It's positive psychology. You know, may I go back a little ways on what you were talking about sure. on uh, on uh, thank you notes or or just notes. It doesn't have to be a thank you note, but you know, at that given time, that person's thinking only about you. Right. And that you can't get a warmer feeling. And there are a lot of veterans in hospitals across the nation that would like to like to hear from you. And uh, you know, and start back in my day, they used to be called pen pals. Yes. Because you wrote with a pen. And uh, anyway, we're gonna have, we're out of time, but. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm that, sorry. No, that, that's what this is all about, that contagiousness of gratitude. We're thankful for all of our listeners. We're thankful for our Atlanta Healing Center staff. We're thankful for um, David Moxley and his staff here at America's Web Radio. And we're very thankful for you, our listeners. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Detailing Addiction. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.